Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. And it was handy, man. Hey, let's do it, man. Boy, boy, boy. Say no more. A.J. Brown talking to Jalen Hurts via FaceTime. A.J. Brown, a new destination. That was the big surprise of the night, the Titans trading A.J. Brown to Philadelphia. Joining us now from Philadelphia, our good friend and colleague, Peter King. Hello, Peter. How are you? Mike, Chris, how are you guys doing? That was fun last night. It was, Peter. It was great. It was one of the most action-packed, awesome first rounds I can ever remember. What was With limited the real quarterback thing that was action. great is that every time one headline happened, Ten minutes later, two other headlines developed. You know, and I thought I thought one of the biggest things last night, and we'll get to Philadelphia, but one of the biggest things last night is what Green Bay didn't do. And, you know, look, I, I mean, much is said, oh, boy, what's Aaron Rodgers thinking today? Ooh, I would be ticked off if I were Aaron Rodgers. Supremely ticked off. You got the 22nd and 28th pick in the draft. This is a draft that had six wide receivers in it that appeared to be of significant first-round quality. You got some debate over Traylon Burke. Some teams really didn't like him. Right. But clearly, the four top ones that went all in a row, the, you know, everybody liked those guys. Yes. And what did Howie Roseman do in Philadelphia? He went and got a franchise receiver in A.J. Brown. What did Brian Gutekunst do in Green Bay? He refused to pay too much to move up. And I do think that, they, that the Green Bay Packers were trying to move up and failed. Well, and what makes it even worse is that the Lions, the hapless and inept Detroit Lions, operating from a position lower than the Packers with only one first-round pick, 
found a way to spring up into the middle of the action to get Jamison Williams. That has to make Aaron Rodgers even more upset. Well, and they did not uh, ruin the rest of their draft to do so. You know, they basically traded two picks in the 30s to move up uh, whatever it was, 20 picks or so, to go up and get Jamison Williams. Now, I don't think Jamison Williams would have been the perfect pick pickup for Aaron Rodgers because right. I, I, I dismiss this, oh, Jamison Williams is going to be ready in early October. Stop. Stop. You know, you have ACL surgery. You don't come back in a pristine, clean way after eight months. You just don't. So I, I don't know when he's going to come back. But Aaron Rodgers needed Chris Olave on this team. That's what he needed. He needed his general manager to go find a receiver who's ready to play and contribute and be a huge factor opening day. And the Packers did not do that. Peter, did you get the sense from people you talked to in the league that, you know, people thought Green Bay would make an aggressive move to, to move up or, yes. or do that? You did. You, yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I thought, I thought Green Bay, I was saying it all, the, you know, the last four or five days, I think Green Bay is going to try hard to move up because Chris, listen, I am a numbskull. I am Shemp of the three stooges. And, and I knew I had in my mock draft six receivers in the top 18. And that's what happened. And I'm not saying, oh boy, what a, what a Nostradamus. Right. Nostra mock draft Damus. I'm not saying that. The point that I'm making is that everybody was talking was about. Was hot on the these receivers. receivers. Right, right. Everybody. Right. And so if you thought you were going to stay at 22, or maybe make a little nibble move up and get one of those guys. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. And and I don't know whether Brian Gutekunst indeed maybe only liked, let's just say for the sake of argument, let's say he only liked Chris Olave and 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 maybe whoever, Drake London. I, I don't know who he liked. Right, right. But let's just say he only liked a couple, and by the time 11 rolled around, he's gone. You know, New Orleans trades up and gets Olave. Whatever, whatever, you know, you got to find a way, even if you have to pay significantly more than you wanted to. And to me, uh, Brian Gutekunds didn't do that. And Peter, here's what's amazing. At a time when you have teams falling all over themselves to get in position to draft rookie receivers with high expectations, and we know that a certain number of them are going to work out and a certain number won't, you have Howie Roseman busting open the vault to pay a guy that his current team doesn't want to pay. We saw it happen with the Raiders and Devontae Adams, the Dolphins and Tyreek Hill, and now the Eagles join that F them picks club and they give up draft capital and money to get A.J. Brown, to go with a proven commodity instead of rolling the dice on one of these rookies because we thought going into the night the Eagles were going to try to maybe – sneak up a few spots and get a rookie. They had another plan and that's go get AJ Brown. I think the AJ Brown thing is fascinating, Mike, because first of all, understand the mechanics of how this had to work. And I talked to Howie Roseman about this around midnight last night. Just understand the mechanics of this and how difficult <clears throat> it was. They did not complete the uh, the framework of a trade with John Robinson at the Tennessee Titans 
until yesterday during the day. Then and only then could the Philadelphia Eagles engage the agent for A.J. Brown into contract negotiations. And Howie Rosen admitted last night this trade was not going to get done until, uh, I mean, unless we had a an agreement with A.J. Brown, because if they didn't have an agreement with A.J. Brown, you can imagine he's going to hold out until they pay him $30 million a year. And, and I think what happened, going back and forth, you know, Howie Roseman said last night that this, the deal got done around the 15th pick in the draft. And think about it, Mike. Tennessee took Traylon Burks at number 18. Yeah. So they had to be prepared to make a pick or, or they were going to call it off and no one would have known about this. They, they hoped. And so that is exactly how this happened. One other thing about this trade in this story, okay? So everybody, I, I was under the impression, okay, Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown, they know each other okay. Do they, they, but in fact, when, uh, when Jalen Hurts was still at Alabama, he tried to recruit. Uh, you know, he tried to get AJ Brown yeah, to go to, Bama. You know, to come over right. to Alabama, and so there was this thing between AJ Brown. AJ Brown had a birthday party for his daughter over the weekend, and Jalen Hurts was there. That's how close they are. So this is going to be the start, I think, of a really good chance for Jalen Hurts to win the quarterback job long-term in Philadelphia. But, uh, Peter, I want to just piggyback on this just a little bit more there, too, just to be, because it's interesting, the dynamic. I, I love the, how you're laying out about the A.J. Brown conversation and getting some of those parameters done. Now, do you know if, like, was this one where it was going to happen pretty much no matter what once they realized? No. Or or was it one of those where once they saw the board fall and the two Ohio State guys oh. and, and then they made the move, we go, we like this guy better than whoever's left no. on the board? Yeah, Chris, that's a great question. Right. This trade was irrespective, I think that's a word, of whatever happened yes. in this draft. Gotcha. The Philadelphia Eagles wanted – A.J. Brown, after they did all of their due diligence on the veteran receivers and understood that Debo Samuel was not getting out of San Francisco. Right. But I think this team wanted A.J. Brown more than they wanted the receivers in this draft. And they understood, you know, Howie Roseman admitted this, having a quarterback on a rookie contract allowed us to do this because we can spend money that once we pay a quarterback, we may not have exactly that kind of money. Steelers now have a quarterback on a rookie contract. They waited 20 years between Terry Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger to use a first rounder on a signal caller. They wait less than 20 weeks to use a first rounder on a quarterback to replace Roethlisberger and Kenny Pickett. The only guy taken, you had it in your mock draft. I had Malik Willis. Chris had Malik Willis going to the Steelers. You had Kenny Pickett. How did you know? Why did you know? And what do you think of Pickett and Pittsburgh? I mean, there's a couple of things. Mike, you know, my mock draft is basically a homogenized view 
of 15 to 18 people around the league. So, you know, honestly, I had some people who thought they were taking Malik Willis strongly, but there was one voice in that group that just said, give them picket. I'm pretty sure of it. But again, I, I, I'm wrong on a bunch of them where other people say the same thing. So I'm not in a back padding way in this at all. I'll, I'll just say two things. All right. So 39 years after the Pittsburgh Steelers passed on University of Pittsburgh quarterback Dan Marino and paid for it for a generation. And they did. They paid for that for a generation of football. Now they take a University of Pittsburgh quarterback in the first round and we'll see what happens. But I do think the Steelers are absolutely telling the truth when they say that this was our guy all along. We had him the highest rated quarterback. Obviously, we didn't spread it around. And I think the one other interesting issue here is that there's going to be a quarterback competition in training camp and early this season. Oh, uh, we lost Peter. him. We lost Peter, Peter. We lost Peter. We thank Peter. There's Kenny Pickett. There was Makes Peter sense, King. Let's though. go ahead and take yeah. a, okay. a quick break. And, you know, Chris, I, I want to ask you a question when we come back about that whole Pickett-Trubisky competition. But let's put a pin in that All for right. now. We'll take a quick break, and we'll come back and continue our day after the draft conversation here on PFT Live. We're, we're super, super excited um, to be able to draft Kenny Pickett with our first-round pick. Honestly, never thought he would make it to us at 20. Um, exciting times for us for Kenny, for the University of Pittsburgh, and for Pittsburgh in general. It's great, and uh, we couldn't be more excited. Quarterback is the most critical spot in and on in the National Football League. And that's not to take anything away from Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph. We got three young quarterbacks, and I think it's going to be great competition. Um, and, you know, as Coach mentioned, they'll all be in it for to see who becomes the starter. But now I think we got three real good options. Kevin Colbert, after the first round of his final draft as GM of the Steelers, talking about Kenny Pickett, as Peter King said, 39 years after they pass on a pit quarterback in Dan Marino, they do not pass on Kenny Pickett. It does surprise me, though, Chris, when you listen to Colbert, they were wondering whether or not he was going to be there. I thought if they really liked a guy, if they really were committed, if they really were all in, they'd go get him. But they didn't. They stayed put. They let it fall. They were willing to have Kenny Pickett become a member of the Saints or whoever. But he's there at 20, and they go get him. So they like him, but they didn't like him so much that they felt compelled they had to go get him. And that's fine. Yeah. It worked out. Right. But I feel like if you really love the guy, if you really know that this is your guy, you don't sit there and sweat it out through 19 picks for him to still be on the board. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear you there. I hear you there. And, but, but also, I think you've you got to give them credit probably for the fact of kind of probably having a good feel for where the board was going to fall, especially once they probably saw, wait, six Carolina, eight Atlanta. I bet you a lot of these teams are – 
they're clued in in a lot of ways where they got a little pretty good feel about every team's top guy or two guys on the board there. So they probably looked at it that way and said, ooh, we got a chance here. You know, they probably had good intel that said the Saints were going to go, like we talked about all week, two guys that could help their team right now because they think they're good. So they rolled the dice on that and got a guy that, you know, who knows Kenny Pickett better than them, like you've mentioned all week. He's in the same damn practice facility. They get to see him all the time. And they took the guy that's like the real proven commodity, not, you know, Malik Willis where it's like I hope – I hope he can turn into what I think. Uh, so, so I understand that. I do. You know me. I think Marat, Matt Corral is the best quarterback in the draft. Malik Willis was a risk. Here's some tremendous upside, but there's some real work that has to be done to his game. And Pittsburgh obviously saw that and went, you know, let's just go with the guy that we know can run a pro offense for sure and has the skills to be, you know, a starting NFL quarterback for a long time, even though I don't know if I necessarily think it's going to be a superstar quarterback. He certainly is a starting NFL quarterback in, in his ability. There's the Kenny Pickett draft party. Lots of people very happy with the development. Good for him. He'll be staying in Pittsburgh. All right, so let me ask you this, because yeah. you had made the point that if the Panthers take Pickett at six and then he shows up for an OTA practice and people yes, see right. Sam Darnold throw the ball and they uh-huh. see Pickett throw the ball and they're going to be like, what the hell are we doing here? So what's going to happen when it's Trubisky versus Pickett in Pittsburgh? You're going to have a little of the same thing. You are. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. Trubisky's got talent. There's no there's, – there's, I mean, he didn't, like, get drafted at number two because, like, people were like, oh, he's crappy. Let's take him there. His arm is pretty strong. He's pretty damn fast. I know now there's not the luster and the, oh, you know, Mitchell Trubisky can take you to the playoffs and do and win Super Bowls with you. So there's at least that, not that aura around him or anything there. But yeah, I mean, Pickett's going to have to, he's going to have his work cut out for him here in year one as far as beating Mitchell Trubisky. I don't think that's going to be an easy thing to do, but Pittsburgh's probably willing to. Just kind of take that as it goes. Pickett's the future. If it doesn't happen this year, okay. They'll they'll wait a year until they throw him on the field. But, you know, pretty two pretty good options with Pickett and Trubisky for their team. And it was four years ago that Mike Glennon was that placeholder quarterback signed by the Bears, and then they drafted Trubisky. Now Trubisky is the placeholder. As we suspected at the time, he signed a two-year deal with a base yeah. value of $14 million. It did not scream out, this guy is our future. This guy, this guy gives us some cover so that if we don't get Pickett, it isn't completely obvious or, that we yeah. want a quarterback. And if we don't ultimately get the quarterback we want, then we We're have okay. somebody that right. can get us through a season or so. So what it does do is close the door on Baker Mayfield going to Pittsburgh, which means that the Browns could cut him now and not sweat it because clearly Pickett's the guy moving forward. So if you're a Browns fan, be happy. You don't have to worry about Baker Mayfield playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers, or at least not worry as much as you did. Uh, Pickett goes to Pittsburgh, and he's the only quarterback taken in round one. The over-under was two and a half. I thought in that 32 spot there would be a quarterback. Quissy Adolfo Mensa, the GM of the Vikings, said last night that he had a trade offer at 32. That's the pick they acquired when they traded down from 12 with the Lions, but he decided to go ahead and take his guy. Um, you wonder if somebody was trying to spring in to get a quarterback, and you wonder if whoever that was is going to try to get to 32 tonight or 33, excuse me, with the Buccaneers to get Malik Willis or Matt Corral. Yeah, it, it will be you know interesting to, to see what goes down here. Um, you know, I, I would think, like looking at the second round, that maybe a team like Atlanta might have been looking to trade up, maybe a team like Seattle, maybe. 
Atlanta's the team that pops to me more than any out of the teams that would be in striking distance to get to 32. So it'll be interesting tonight to see where that goes. Be interesting to see if, you know, even Detroit, will they go a, a quarterback at some point? I know they traded away pick 34. I got that. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where it goes and what happens here. But, you know, I think it's interesting with the Steelers and the fact that, yeah, they took a guy. I think it shows a little bit what they think of their team, that they don't think they're that far off and they don't want a rebuilding quarterback type of guy and we got to really groom them. They, I think Tomlin and company are going, well, our defense is still good and we got some young receivers and a good running back and our own lines got some young pieces. Let's just keep it rolling here. This is not a rebuild. Uh, and then I think, you know, the, the rawness of Malik Willis where that, that's what scared teams. Uh, from, from, you know, from where I was sitting – I heard teams talk about his talent. I saw it, and you know that. There's some great talent there. You know, the thing I think that bothered teams more than anything is with Malik Willis, and what's a little scary, and I agree with it, is the fact that he you can't turn on one game and go, hey, owner, watch this game. This is what the guy we're getting. Here's the guy that we're getting right here. This is why we're picking him at 20. Willis is more of a smattering of plays and moments. But there's not one game you can turn on and go, he will tear you apart just like this game right here. It's total projection that way, let alone like we've talked about, some work that needs to be done in the pocket and playing within the pocket. And I think that's what teams in the NFL saw. And, you know, we're going to see where it goes tonight with these two guys, Corral and, and Willis. I think they're the next two guys off the board. If you go to the front page of ProFootballTalk.com and scroll down to the features section, you will see the full and complete draft order with the picks taken and the picks not taken. I'm looking at this now, Chris. Yeah. Hear me out. You yeah. got the Bucks at 33. They're clearly not going to draft a quarterback. They have Kyle Trask, a second rounder from last year. They've got Tom Brady. Right. If they were to trade that pick, here are the teams I'm looking at. The Titans at 35. Sure. They're getting possibly toward the end of the road with Ryan Tannehill. There Tannehan. you go. You've got the, the Texans at 37 potentially, because you've got all the quarterbacks except for Kenny Pickett still available now. I'm not ignoring the Texans as a possible option here because we don't know what they think of Matt Corral or Malik Willis. You've got the Seahawks back-to-back 40 and 41. Right. They clearly have a need. The Colts at 42. Definitely. The Colts. Hey, Matt Ryan is not, you know, they, we've said this time and again, the Colts need to get off of this conveyor belt yeah, right. of let's go get a veteran, let's go get a veteran, let's go get a veteran. At some point, they need to build something. So I would be watching the Colts tonight as well. Uh, the Falcons, obviously, without question. So there are several teams that, that I think we need to keep an eye on. You still have the Saints who whip back around here at 49. And, you know, the other question for the Bucks too, if they're getting phone calls, you know, the Panthers are still in play, even though they don't have a second or a third round pick. But if they're getting phone calls about possibilities at 33 and some of those teams are, are, are in their division, you know, this is an opportunity. If the, if the Buccaneers don't want to deal with Matt Corral or Malik Willis, depending upon what their assessment of them is, uh, yeah, we're not trading you to the Falcons. Sorry, we're not trading this pick to Atlanta. We'd like to trade it to somebody who's going to take a quarterback that we don't have to compete with in the future. And again, who knows what these guys are going to become, but this whole concept of trading within your division, we always talk about that. Are you willing to help one of your rivals? I don't know that I want to help the Falcons get the quarterback that they so desperately need. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. I get it. You know, that's, that's going to be the tough decisions you got to make. And of course they got to make it worth their while to, 
to to want to say okay and do that deal. Uh, but I think you named it right. I think those are the teams you look at right there. And what's crazy is, I don't know, you, you might be able to, in a lot of ways, if you like Corral or Willis, you might just be able to sit back and let the guy fall in your lap maybe if you're Seattle or Indian Atlanta. It's going to be interesting to see where that goes there. I could see, I think you said it right, all three of those teams being look, looking at these two guys. Seattle, man, you know, I, I certainly could see them liking Malik Willis. It's got some... Russell Wilson-ish traits to him that way. And it's, it's, it's a little bit bigger version. It's a guy that can move and make people miss. And he's got a, a big arm down the field. I can see Seattle liking that for sure and just going, all right, well, we'll, we'll let it develop and we'll see where it goes, you know, a year or two from now. So, um, yeah, I would think there's some play here for the quarterbacks at the top of round two. A day ago, Chris Sims was openly rooting for both New York teams to have a big night. He's sick of living in the New York area and having both teams suck. They both made some moves worth talking about. We'll focus on New York, New York when PFT Live continues right after this. The G-Man. Around any corner, within every battle, And with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Rex with the Jets. You ready to do this? Let's get it then. Let's get it. And and we've got Joe and Coach Sala and everybody else in here. They're going to stop. Swaggy sauce, Gardner. How you doing, brother? Joe Douglas. I'm great, man. Blessed to be here, man. Hey, man. You ready to join the family? Hey, man. I just want to thank y'all, man. If this happened at four, man, I'm going to be the highest draft in Cincinnati history, man. Well, here here it is. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, man, I'm going to turn you over to Coach Sala. Hey, man, right, congrats, man. Welcome to the family. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> brother. Hey, yelling. hey, man. Hey, we're excited. Um, we sweated for about 15 minutes, but uh, you were you were always you were always the one, man. And uh, from one Detroit kid to another, we're going to have a hell of a time out here turning this thing. A little insight into what happened in the draft room last night. You know, when you hear someone say, this is Rex from the Jets, you think, was this 2010 all over again? But that was Rex Hogan. <laughs> Rex Hogan. GM, not guy. Rex Ryan. Yeah, right. uh, the Jets taking care of business. They get Sauce Gardner, who ended up being the second cornerback taken. See, it's all a matter of perspective. Hey, if I go fourth overall, I'm the highest draft pick in Cincinnati history. Yeah, but you're not the first corner taken. That was Derek Stingley Jr. A little bit of a mild surprise there with the yeah. Texans at number three. We talked about that yesterday. But Gardner is there for the Jets at four. They followed up with Garrett Wilson at 10 and then they trade back in to snag Florida State edge rusher Jermaine Johnson who in the eyes of some fell in the eyes of other that's where he was supposed to be who really knows but the Jets had him rated high enough that they were more than happy to jump back into the bottom of round one and get him with the 26 picks so they come out of the draft with three their most first round picks since 2000 when they had four Last night they get three. Well, I, to me, they, they won the first round. They're the team that won the first round. 
Uh, I really, you know, again, I think there's some other things that played with the Jermaine Johnson, Mike. I know a bunch of teams that had him as one of their 10 best players on the board. Uh, I texted him with people last night. I think there's a little more to the story maybe than we don't know there yet, quite yet. But, man, you get – they need a corner. They get Sauce Gardner, who, again, there's just there's not a lot of humans on earth that are built the way Sauce Gardner is. Six, three and a half, that long, that fast, that quick, you know, aggressive, gets his hands on you at the line of scrimmage, night, night, it's over. And then he brings a swagger that's just perfect for New York. And, again, it's, it's New York and Robert Sala. Sala came from the Seattle scheme and all that. This is This is their version of – even though he's walking the wrong way here. I mean, Sauce, please turn around and go the other way, uh, which was a great moment last night. But they got their version of a really a, a better Richard Sherman where Sala grew up in Seattle. They got that guy. And now they got Cliff Averill and Jermaine Johnson to come off the edge. And you got a speed burner, do-it-all wide receiver in Garrett Wilson. To me, they addressed their three biggest needs in the first round and guys that I think are going to be real difference makers type of players for the New York Jets. Yeah, I, I think it's exciting. And look, if you're a Jets fan, to come out of it with three first-round picks, man, it's so many needs, and this is a way to go out and fill them, and you're trying to build around Zach Wilson. I would have liked to have seen an offensive lineman, but that's okay. There's still plenty of picks left to be made. But the Jets, uh, who who had fallen really out of the pack in the AFC, the Jets, the Texans, and the Jaguars are the three teams that I look at and I say, good luck. But at least they're trying to lay the foundation to turn this thing around. And We'll see what they can do. They got a lot of picks uh, you're gonna still, need, you know? You, you're going to need some good corners if you're going to uh, keep up with some of these teams in the AFC, and they got Sauce Gardner. Right. Here's Joe Douglas right. talking about the three first-round picks made by the Jets last night. Uh, we got better tonight, and uh, what a great opportunity. A lot of credit goes to our uh, coaching staff and our scouts for all the hard work they put in to make an opportunity like this come, come to fruition. So feel feel uh, fortunate that we were able to get three three players that we feel can really help this team now moving forward three players that were in our top eight so excited about that he's awesome there you go three players in their top eight mike that's why you make that trade to go get the guy that's that's right that that, that's good that's good let's hope your top eight isn't off base right because because let's face it joe douglas getting closer and closer to being on the hot seat i mean what's he really done in the time that he's been there this was his moment to step up and get it done and and zach wilson needs to validate the faith that was put in him last year so they believe in zach wilson i know you believe in zach wilson you need to have the pieces around him but this is important for joe douglas that he hits on two or Two of these guys minimum, and maybe all three. If you got all three in your top eight, uh, let's go. Let's see what let's see what the Jets can do now. They they gave us flashes last year, but not nearly enough. We'll see what they can do yeah. this year with these three rookies they're going to have running around. The Giants had two picks in the top ten. They gave us the first surprise because nobody knew where Kayvon Thibodeau was going to go. Right, and some thought he was going to fall out of the top ten. The over under was four point five. The under. Uh, lost by just a half. He goes fifth to the Giants. You're the first guy I thought of. You're the Giants fan, and you were down on Thibodeau. Yeah. What do you think about the Giants making the pick? Well, listen, I'm rooting for him. I hope I'm wrong. That's what I'm rooting for. It's at that weird spot of where you go, man, I love this team. I don't love that pick, but I hope, and I hope I'm hope i wrong with my evaluation. I am. 
I had been told that they did their homework on Kayvon Thibodeau leading up to the draft. I didn't think they would really pull the trigger on it. I didn't. Yeah, I got my concerns as a player. I do, definitely. There's some things there that I don't love. You know, I love the person. I love the personality and all of that. I do, and I think he's made for New York just like Sauce Gardner in a lot of ways there. But to me, yes, he was down the list a little bit as far as the edge guys are concerned. So we'll, we'll see how this plays out. You know, yeah, I get a little scared. You know, as my, I, I love, you know, the Giants. I'd love the second pick with Evan Neal, but this one to me is debatable. And I know I'm not alone in this. Yeah, I know I've, I'm maybe lower than most or whatever, but I still, like I've told you leading up to this, there was a lot of teams in football that did not have him as one of their three, four, five best pass rushers in the draft. So that's where, you know, I'm skeptical. I didn't have that in my own evaluation. And then as much as I love Joe Shane and everything the Giants do, the one thing I'm just a little scared too is go, man, Buffalo never had any great pass rusher up there either. I hope they're good at, you know, evaluating pass rushers. Those are the things that goes through my brain a little bit. You know, every team and every GM has their strengths and weaknesses. So that's one there that to me is boom or bust, just like Stingley at three. And we'll see where it goes. Big personality pass rusher, really their first one since Michael Strahan retired in 2007 or capped the 2007 season. And that personality is going to play well in it New is. York. He's yes. going to be generating some sound bites. But you know what? If the play's not there right. and the tough questions come as they will, how does he hold up then? So if this busts, it could be a disaster. It could be good for our business. There could be plenty of shows that we are opening with the latest Kayvon Thibodeau rant at a press conference when he gets a stupid question or whatever, he's not going to be bashful about saying what he thinks. And I liked when he came out. You see, the commissioner was doing a good job of keeping up with the handshake. He was. The commissioner did a good job there. I, he was not completely lost. He did what he could to mimic the, uh, the gestures from Kayvon, and uh, that was all right. That was, a, that was a moment. Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be a fascinating player in the biggest market in the world. Let's hear from Joe Shane. Well, let's watch this first. Before we hear from Joe Shane, here comes Thibodeau. And, you know, Chris, you're big on the handshakes. I, have a little, I don't know what that is, but Roger Goodell, well I love done. It. I love he gets it. A, he gets an A- minus for keeping up with Kayvon Thibodeau. And then uh, here's, here's Joe Shane talking about the That's decision amazing. What a great to reaction. make Thibodeau the fifth overall pick in the draft. Yeah, we've spent a lot of time with him. Uh, we met with him at the Combine. I flew out there for his uh, pro day along with, you know, a couple other individuals. You know, we had him in here for a visit, and, you know, he's a, uh, he's a very outgoing individual. He's got a lot of personality. I'm sure you guys will enjoy your time with him, meeting him. Um, but really a good kid, you know, likable kid, works hard. Um, you know, we had a good – Brian and I had several conversations with some of his coaches over the last couple of days, and, um, you know, we had a we FaceTimed him. Last weekend, so we really got to know the kid, you know, maybe more than any player in this draft. So, um, like the personality and, you know, like the player. Well, uh, they clearly like the personality. Everybody likes the personality. Everybody. The was the player. Yeah. No, and there was no hesitation when the time came to pick the player. And, you know, they could have gone Neil, Evan Neal, who they picked at seven. They could have picked Risky. him at five. Right. And, and got Thibodeau at, at seven. They rolled the dice more. On Neal being there at seven, the Panthers could have taken or Evan Neal instead of Vicky Aquanu. That's where uh, or they, they could have just... taken Aquanu at five. Maybe yeah. they liked Aquanu better. Maybe they, we don't know what bet they made when they took Thibodeau. Maybe they thought 
the Panthers are going to take Evan Neal and we'll have Ike Aquano. We don't know the answer to that question. No, you're right. You're right. But maybe they just looked at it and went, wait, let's just get this guy because all the other linemen or tackles are on the board. So yeah. we're going to get one, right? I could see that being the logic. Uh, I had been told by you know somebody up in the week that Evan Neal was the number one tackle on their board, but I don't know that for sure. Either way, to me, I was like, as much as I'm a little – Ah, man, okay, they took Kayvon Thibodeau. I hope I'm wrong as a Giants fan. This one, I was like, yes, this is the guy. I mean, to me, this is the guy I'd be most excited about. We've talked about him a lot, you know, this day and age in the NFL. I'm going to edge on the guy that yeah, maybe wasn't overall as good as Ike Mekwanu, but the pass protection to me was elite. Elite. I mean, you got a guy to me that's got a chance to be the best pass protecting left tackle in football here in the next few years. And I'm glad he went seventh because there was this late right, effort right. to create noise about a medical issue. And I had people in the media sending me text messages about, oh, it's real. Okay, well, let's see. Let's see how real it is. There's no way he's the seventh overall pick. There's no way he's going before Charles Cross if it's real. It's not real. It wasn't real. People like to make something out of nothing because they want guys to slide. Yeah. They see a player that they think they can create some smoke. Maybe somebody will think there's fire. And people say, well, but these teams all know you're trying to make an owner wobbly. That's what you're trying to do. If you get an owner to say, I'm really not comfortable with this pick, then that pick's not going to happen. That's what the audience is when this this kind of crap gets spread around just before the draft. And uh, good for Evan Neal. He ends up going seventh overall, the second tackle after Ike Aquanu to the Carolina Panthers. And the Giants have two first-rounders. The Jets have three. Let's see if it translates to better performance because, look, that's the great disconnect. We can talk all we want and we will about the draft, but at some point everybody's got to put on their uniform, their helmet, and go out and perform, and we know some will, some won't. Yeah, no, you're, you're right about that. You're right about that. The, the good thing is, and I think the one thing we can all just look at and go, these are real needs for the New York teams, and they got addressed right away in round one, so you can be happy about that. Yeah, now we'll debate – how good each guy is and should they have drafted him as high as they did or whatever there. But uh, I think at the, you know, at the bottom line, I'm excited for both teams. I think they're going in the right direction. I really do. You know, and so we'll, we'll, we'll see. But there were some big-time moves by the Jets last night. Like I said, I think they won round one. I'd probably put the Lions up there in that conversation as well. And the Giants got two big-time players that I know I'm maybe more down on than the rest than Thibodeau. Um. We got to take a break. When we return, yeah. I know there's some Jaguars fans out there saying we had the first overall pick in the draft. We we worked very hard to earn that first overall pick in the draft, and you haven't even talked about us yet. Well, Jaguars fans, we will be talking about your first round pick, and also you came back, didn't they? Weren't yeah, they want to watch the back in again? Yeah, they were. I lost my freaking no, mind. Yeah, you have lost Lots your mind. The last twelve hours, they did. And I wasn't. I wasn't even having the sticky icky last night like you. What a dork about you are! Jaguars. You missed out. We'll talk, <laughs> we'll talk about the Jaguars next, and the Lions when PFT Live continues right after this. Jack, can you talk about uh, what? No. You- <laughs> and we were linked on this one too. We were on the same page. We were on the same page, yeah. Obviously, around here, a lot of a lot of people are much more familiar with the two Georgia linebackers, right? Could you talk about what it is you liked about Devin Lloyd that possessed that you know inspired you to or whatever to get back up into the first round? Well, I think the same thing we talked about with Trayvon was the, the, the versatility. He does a little bit of everything. You know, he, he can he can cover. He can he can rush the passer. 
He's very good against the run inside the tackle box and outside. So just a lot of versatility, and, and he's a culture setter. Trent Baalke, the general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars, discussing the decision to swing back into the bottom of round one to get Devin Lloyd, who slipped and slid his way through. Jaguars willing to be aggressive. At the top, they did what we expected, though. The expectations became set in cement recently. A week ago, the betting favorite to be the first overall pick was still Aiden Hutchinson. It changed over the weekend. Pay attention to the betting markets in the future. That's when Trayvon Walker emerged as the number one guy. I'm saying his first name wrong. As I learned last night, it's Trayvon, not Trayvon. I have to keep working on that. Trayvon Walker is the first overall pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I know people around the league, and I'm always skeptical about the stuff that I hear from GMs and coaches and scouts as we get close to the draft. But if I know who it is, and I know that this is somebody who is very far removed from having to even try to influence what happens, people were puzzled that the Jaguars wanted Walker over Hutchinson. They were puzzled because there are people who are convinced that Hutchinson is going to be the far better professional player. I think more teams had Hutchinson number one on their board than Trevon Walker. I do. I do think that that would be my sense. Again, not that I talk to every team, but you know, I talk to a lot of them and have a pretty good feel. I think Hutchinson was probably the number one guy with, you know, Trevon Walker being on just about everybody's top four, but I don't know if he was necessarily number two on everybody's board. I got no problem with the pick. This is not a stupid pick. Would I have taken Aiden Hutchinson? Yes, I would have. You know, but it would have been a tough decision. I would have taken Aiden Hutchinson because I just would have felt like, oh, he's a little safer, right? And I'm Jacksonville, and we just need something that we know for sure can work. But they're going for the home run here. They are. And this is a guy that, you know, again, I'll say, he's got all the same talent and measurables that Miles Garrett had coming out of Texas A&M as the number one pick as well. It's this. It's the same human being. He just wasn't allowed to play the same style of football in college that Miles Garrett was. So that's where it's a projection because you never got to see him be like get outside, be a wide nine technique, and just you can be an edge rusher. We we had this discussion a little, Mike. So you know, again, I would have taken Hutchinson, but I love this player. He has a higher ceiling than Hutchinson to me, and you can never go wrong with something we talk about. A big physical dude in the trenches. Even if he doesn't become a superstar, he's your starting defense end for the next eight years at a at a very high level. We had both talked ourselves into the Jaguars taking an the offensive line. lineman yesterday, though, because they got to protect Trevor Lawrence. So they end up using two first-round picks last night, and they're both defensive guys. They trade back in, and they get a linebacker, and they had that great defense five years ago. And as we said yesterday, what the hell did it do for them? Well, it almost got them to the Super Bowl, but it's been completely splintered. Now they're rebuilding the defense as they try to build the pieces around the offense. And that's part of the challenge. Any draft pick you make, you got to take care of both sides of the ball. You can't be so skewed one way or the other that it makes your team weaker. And the Jaguars paying attention to defense with two first-round picks last night, the one we knew they had and the one they acquired during the process. But, uh, look, there's a curse to having that first overall pick. When there isn't a clear number one guy, at some point you got to make the decision. And we saw the the clip there. Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke seemed kind of relaxed and happy. I think maybe they're relaxed and happy because it's over. Because while you're going through that process, I mean, you've got to pick who you're going to pick. And they were, they were hoping to trade down a few spots. The phone never rang 
with an offer to trade up. No one loved someone so much that they were willing to make the move and invest the extra capital necessary to do it. So they had to make that pick, and their pick ended up being Trevon Walker. Yeah, not, not mad at it. Again, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. I, I don't see a low floor for this guy. I think he's got a high floor, like I said, nonetheless. And, you know, there's, there's tremendous upside. There really is. So we'll, we'll see. I don't think they're they, – they, I'm not mad at it. And then the other pick, the trade back up into the first round with Devin Lloyd, um, you know, again, I think what we saw last night, again, we talked about it a little bit, where it's just some teams who are like, wait, he's still here, and for our board, we had him way up. You know, I, I would bet for them to make that move, they probably had Devin Lloyd as one of the 12, 13 best players on their board. So then they get there to 26, I believe it was 26, if I'm remembering right, and they went, damn, let's do it. You know, and we don't have Miles Jack there. You know, Lloyd is like Trent Baalke said; he's very versatile. He's very much like almost like a Micah Parsons. It's rare that you see a guy that can play like middle linebacker the way he can, and then Mike like has legit pass rush skills on the edge, like legit, like up there with some of the the better pass rushers in the draft. So he's an interesting prospect. He really is. And man, I mean Jacksonville, you know, this off season. It's. I know they spent the record with guaranteed money and all that, but you know, they, you know, Evan Ingram, Brandon Scherf, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk. Whoa, that's the offensive side of the ball. Got you know, Foya side of Luaquan was one of the best middle linebacker free agents now with Devin Lloyd in the middle of the football field. You know, uh, Foley Fadukasi from the you know the Jets. They they were aggressive and made some big time moves, and uh, they're going to be a different football team, I think, when they step on the field this year. They tried to spend their way out of dysfunction. Now yeah. they're trying to draft their way out of dysfunction. Another team trying to do the same thing on the draft side. The Lions, we talked about them earlier, but it fell together perfectly for them Oof. that Aiden Hutchinson was there. No hesitation. People were like, well, they shouldn't. No, no, there's nothing to think about. You go get the kid who was born in Michigan, raised in Michigan, went to Michigan. This is a storybook. This is great. This is the way that it would go if there wasn't a draft. Aiden Hutchinson would choose the Lions, and the Lions would choose him, and he'd be very happy about it, just like Iki Aquanu, who was very happy, a Charlotte guy who gets to go play for the Panthers. That is when you've hit the lottery. As a guy who is drafted, you get drafted by the team you would have chosen. For Hutchinson, it was perfect, and it's perfect for the Lions. This is exactly what they need as they try to reverse six decades of dysfunction. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's, I mean, this is just like the perfection. You know, the, the gods, football gods came together, and they were like, you know what? We've had enough, Detroit. You've suffered long enough. We're going to start putting this together, and some good stuff's going to start happening for you. And I hope it does. I mean, Dan Campbell and the Lions, they showed me something last year. Again, how many games were they in where we just went, oh, my gosh, how could they lose that game? They're not better than that team, but they, they did it. They played it just right. They continued to fight. They won football games. And now you got a guy at number two like that the fan base loves and just is like the epitome of all those things. Just, just oh, hard work, crazy psycho. And then what everybody forgets to tell about the guy is he's freaky talented. You know, he's the white guy, try-hard guy, where everybody talks about the motor all the time, and that happens in the NFL. But no, he is a freak of nature. He's better than T.J. Watt coming out in the draft. He's a bigger human being, and he's got some unbelievable skills that he can bring to the football field. So, you know, you add that with the culture stuff and biting kneecaps, man. They added two two extra kneecap biters last night with – with him and Jamison Williams. 
we met Aiden Hutchinson at the Super Bowl. Right? He's like chiseled out of granite. Yeah, uh, and he's gonna get and, bigger. And he and he wants to play for the Lions. Right. You know that, that's that's the other thing too. But when when and I'm not gonna make it about my get rid of the draft take. But one of the arguments is everybody's going to play for the Cowboys. Well, th- this is a guy who wanted to play for the Lions and he got to play for the Lions. Yeah. So yeah. it's not always gonna be I want to play for some team other than my hometown team. He wanted it. He got it. Jamison Williams. We talked about it earlier. He was pissed off. Some people thought he was pissed off. He got drafted by the Lions. I agree with you. I think he's more pissed off that he got drafted behind both Ohio State guys. Yes. And. Uh, and now he enters the NFL with that Michael Thomas, former Ohio State receiver, boulder on the shoulder. Yeah, look at him. Looking to prove look at everybody he's wrong. Pissed. He's ready to play a game right now. He's like, screw my ACL. I'll play right now. <laughs> look at him. He's like, all right, Detroit, here we go. Uh, he was all business. Yeah, he's not mad he got drafted by Detroit. Look at People are crazy. He's happy. It finally happened. It's personal to him. He transferred out of Ohio State because – Whatever. They liked the other guys more, and it just wasn't the right situation. He was probably told by just about every team, hey, you're the top ride receiver on our board. He was probably thinking. But, again, when push comes to shove, these teams go, you know, kind of like what Peter said. Are we going to pay this guy that just tore his ACL and do this? I can't do it. And Detroit said, let's do it. They had the guts to do it, and I think that's why he was pissed. It's not about Detroit at all. He's just pissed that those guys went in front of him. Let's take a break. When we return, we have a little bit of time left. I want to put a punctuation mark on the discussion we had at the beginning of the show about the Hollywood Brown trade and Lamar Jackson seeming upset about it on social media. Some anger directed at the Ravens. We'll unpack that just a little bit more when PFT Live continues right after this. Really, really? Oh, my UT Chattanooga to the first round. Hey, where is... How about that? And we wasted our time watching him thinking he'd be at 104, maybe. (laughs) You know, I joked earlier this week that they'd be drinking the leftover 1942 in the draft house. I think they were. I think they were. I think Les and Sean... We're taking full advantage of the fact that they didn't have any work to do last night. Uh, they were surprised when Cole Strange went to the Patriots at the bottom of round one. Uh, Patriots really like him, and others did as well. So we'll see how that plays out. But, Chris, before we go, this question of Lamar Jackson lashing out at the Ravens, the upset that yeah. he expressed on social media about the trade, surprised about the trade, I'm told he knew it was coming. I'm told he knew. So he's just and acting like it's a, he's pissed about he's acting, these developments? He's, I think that he's concerned that it would be perceived as Hollywood Brown not wanting to play with him anymore. So he's acting like he didn't know about it. Uh, but he, he knew about it. He knew about it. And, oh, yeah. And so I, better think to act I think he's like sensitive. That. Yeah, right. He's sensitive to the idea that a top receiver doesn't want to play with him. I think that's what it is. Uh, it, I make sense. I mean, you know, may, that's that might be the right play. Yeah, maybe better off to act like you're pissed rather than come to the conclusion or have the perception out there that, damn, all this stuff about receivers not wanting to play in Baltimore with me because I run too much is a real thing. I, I can understand that. So he's kind of protecting himself that way. And the draft is going to be have to be their vehicle. They got Rashad Bateman last year in round one, and they're going to have to keep replacing and replenishing that way because they're going to have a hard time attracting free agents and convincing their great receivers to stick around. Because if you can get 1,000 yards in that offense for as long as that offense is constructed the way it is, 
what could you do elsewhere? And what is Hollywood Brown going to do in Arizona, Chris? It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it is going to be fun to watch. I mean, they're going to be wide open, and, man, they got some people to deal with. Kyler Murray's running, and those receivers, watch out. That's it. We're done until 5 p.m. Eastern for PFTPM. Draft starts tonight at 7. Follow us on PFT. Have a good one. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.